Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, headlines of pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Winston Burns, along my counterpart, Save by Morris. How's it going, man? Well, it's going really, really good, man. <laughs> really, really good, man. <laughs> Definitely, bro. Well, we have a lot of topics to get, in, get, get into today, as usual. Obviously, some thoughts on the final four matchups, um, some some NBA ones, and then some album reviews. And then in the second half, we're going to do a, a Raging Bull. But, Savon, like, if the listeners know anything, there's no way we could not address the first topic that, that we're about to address with Will Smith and Chris Rock. Right. Um, because it, it was one of those situations like this past Sunday night at the Oscars where many times the Oscars is about uh, like an acceptance speech or something that happens mm-hmm. that, that follows it, but not what, what actually occurred. And obviously like the now infamous altercation between these two um, involving a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith on Sunday was the talk of the entire Oscars right. night. And, you know, after even Will Smith earned his... Uh, first Oscar for Best Actor in, in, in King Richard, uh-huh. you know, it, it was, there was more focus on what he did, like literally, literally going up and <laughs> slapping Chris Rock. I mean, like, <laughs> and the way, the way Will Smith like walked back after adjusting his suit was like, yeah, I just did that. I, I literally just did that. And people were like stunned after it. But like, what were your initial thoughts on it? And just obviously like the, the, the speech he gave afterwards and people like Denzel Washington and Daniel Jackson really having to, to get his attention and, and tell him to like rethink what he had just done. Yeah. I mean, like, like we were talking about before we got on, like, I thought it was a joke because, you know, I yeah. didn't know the Oscars was even on until, like, they showed, it was the biggest clip for, like, it's, like, he slapped Chris Rock. Like, why did he slap Chris Rock? Because then when he turns around, he was smiling a little bit. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, oh, this is, this is, like, you know, nobody knew about it, you know? And then he said, mm-hmm. you know, keep my name, my wife, out your mouth. He said it a couple of times. And I'm like, oh, this is for the real. The message was clearly sent. And it was crazy because he was laughing at the joke. That's what I, that's what got me. Like, did that even surprise you more that he laughed at the joke and then like suddenly changed and made and made that move? Yeah. And I think when you like, I think it was more so of like a ha 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 ha. I'm in the front row. I, I have, have to, to laugh. laugh. Yeah, the camera's on me. Yeah. And you know, it's about my wife. So like I'm I'm in a public figure where everybody I'm it you guys to roll off of me, then you look over. And Jada's not really rocking with that joke. It, it was, was disgusted. Disclaimer, it wasn't the worst joke. It wasn't the worst joke ever. And I just I just saw it as a standpoint. There was like friends, and I'm I'm I, I'm assuming they were friends, because he made a, a joke back in 2016, Oscars. And it was kind of like people have uh, pointed to that. People have yeah. pointed up to like it may have, there may have been a buildup with, with with Will and just in terms of like the things he had said in the past few years. I think nobody is off limits. Let's let's clear that nobody's off yeah. limits when especially it comes in, to comedy. in comedy. Yes, and we've and I think it's a it's a double standard when it comes to women's because we have a lot of men who thinning and going bald like LeBron James, Kevin Durant. I think it's a, a double standard when it comes to male and female. What can we say? What what can't we say? And I think it was more for of uh, him defending defending Jada's honor, I guess, or just like you're my friend. You know that's a touchy subject. Touchy subject that wasn't something you should have done. But you clearly could have talked to him behind the stage, behind like yo, that was like that joke was. You know what I mean? That wasn't a, a good joke, bro. You could have said something else. You could have directed a joke to me instead of my wife. But I laugh because of, you know, I'm in the front row. Now a, a trigger goes off. But it's, it's just it's just the weirdest transi- transition from laughing, looking over, getting up in a split second. Because have you that seen... That was the quickest transition I've seen. That was the quickest transition seen I've seen. Have different between angles them. now? Yeah. And I'm, it's, it's, it's insane. What? Because there's a back angle now on somebody's phone that he looked out because soon he laughed, Jada was just like, mm-mm. And then looked at him and was like, oh, whatever. And then he got up and I'm like, yo. The, the funniest thing I heard was Joe Bunn saying, what if Chris Rock would have ducked? <laughs> what <laughs> if? <laughs> Did you see the, the video of him standing behind Quest Love and all the one they wanted? Yes. And him like, I'm pretty sure somebody said something to him. He was like, he did that Chris Rock like facial expression, like all you want to do it. But in his head, it's like, bro, I just got slapped in front, like in front of like thousands of people, millions of people watching. Like, yo, like, what's going on? And and, and, and that's the thing. Like another thing, like like w- with the joke, obviously, like like the medical medical condition that the Jada Jada Pinkett Smith is going through, like that's something that like you can't joke about at all. But Chris Rock didn't know about that. Like 
do you feel as though like in terms of like the the reasoning Will Smith went up there is maybe possibly because of like other things and like that that have kind of come up to the public highlight of of his family because like there there have been so yes. many details about his family revealed and I feel as though there may have been a bubbling point where we never see Will Smith overreact or kind of have like a uh, uh, just a scatterbrain moment. Like, do you feel as though it was maybe a buildup of like past events and even things within his family that kind of just surfaced into something that was just completely stunning? Oh, it was definitely a, a buildup and accumulation of things. Like once, cause Will Smith has never had a bad pub, like, you know what I'm saying? Bad publicity or he's done something in the media that had him in trouble. He wasn't like a drunk guy. He's always been the Fresh Prince guy, the good yeah, guy, clean the cut. good at yes, clean cut, straightforward. So him yeah. to like, we forget. And a lot of people say he wouldn't have did it to anybody else. We we don't know that. We don't, don't know. know that. We don't know really that. Don't know you that. know what I mean? Like yeah. Oh, he wouldn't have slapped the rock. Rock wouldn't have said that type of joke. Oh, he wouldn't. Have, he should have slapped August Alcina. We don't know what they did behind closed doors. And at yeah. the same time, he was doing his dirt, so he really didn't care about August Alcina. But like now. Their problem is at a good space. Nobody's cheating on nobody. They were trying, you know I mean, it's a lot of variables. And I don't try to, everybody has an opinion on these people. Like, like, if you're in the moment, like, let's let's think about when we're in the moment. Like, do we don't think about morals? We don't think about uh what's gonna happen after I go go get my gun, or we don't think about how we're gonna fight. Yeah, we're thinking thinking about about the the present. The only reason why people have opinions is because he's a public figure. He's a celebrity. Think of how many times we blew up at work. Didn't even think about getting fired. We just felt disrespected, so we're gonna let you know I feel disrespected. Like, people don't understand. We Just because they're they're human beings. The man had an emotional, he, he saw his wife, blah, 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 and he acted. Did he do the right thing? Heck no. But thinking about in the moment, everybody has an opinion because he's a celebrity. If that was your cousin, if that was your dad. This shouldn't you know permanently I mean? change. This shouldn't permanently change the perspective on him. Just and, one bad moment. No, no. Because when, first of all, he's human. He made yeah. a mistake. He did it on a terrible stage. But we've done crap on terrible, on our little terrible stage. I'm, I, I'll be the first one to tell you. I blew up that work before. <laughs> Scared my co-workers. Like, I've done that and it did. It gets it, personal. Exactly. It gets and you don't think about that in a moment because you're angry. You're all, you're off adrenaline. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But it takes those calm voices like Denzel, like Tyler Perry, like a handshake. Because afterwards, that, he was okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. Like, like when you have somebody like Denzel, you know, saying, you know, be careful at your highest moment. That, that's when the devil comes for you. Like, in, in terms of having advice like that and somebody who, who, who like, Denzel has been through so much and has shown so much wisdom. Obviously, he's been able to, to give out a lot of just, you know, life advice. Like, what were your thoughts on, on how he was able to, like, step in that moment and really, tr- like, you know, have to calm him down? Hey, I think that was a beautiful moment because Denzel know he's been there before. Yeah. Denzel know he's... Because Denzel from around the way, too. He'll tell you that. He's from around the way. He's from those parts. He, he, he can get there. So now he's at a point in his life, like, young buck, like, I understand you was upset, but... This is not, you know what I mean? Like it was just like I the way been, to do it. Yeah, I've been there. You see the embrace yeah. that he had from Samuel Jackson. Samuel was like, look, bro, like, hey, don't let this moment ruin. You just want an Oscar, first of all. This is supposed to be your Oscar. biggest night. Exactly. It's my yeah. biggest night. I just want an Oscar. Yeah. And I don't even know what thing he won an Oscar for. Is that bad? What is King it? Richard. No, no, no. Uh Samuel Jackson. <laughs> oh, Samuel Jackson? I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Like I don't feel as bad. Like, because they was like, Samuel Jackson won a, he won an Oscar? Like, finally, yeah, but what for? <laughs> Nobody said nothing. Yeah, I, I never knew. <laughs> I never knew what, what Tony Baker said. I never knew. I never knew. <laughs> I never knew. <laughs> oh, man. But, but yeah, and, and, that, and that really is the thing because, you know, and, and kind of closing thoughts with this, I do think people should, should, should realize that one, because ba- we've all had bad moments. Yes. Never on that stage, though. Like, just one bad moment, even for the Oscars, in terms of you know them saying possibly taking taking away his Oscar or having a ban for him. Like, like what do you think about just maybe what their decision might be going forward, or just like something reasonable? Because obviously, like people are going to have reactions to this, and the Academy has to do something. But I do think they should, you know, still let him have the award, but possibly you know a, a, a suspension of him coming to the Academies might happen. Yeah, do not take away something he worked. King Richard was a great movie. He deserved oh, yeah. that Oscar. 
Yeah, he did something. Like, think about all the people who've won an Oscar who've done crazy things, right? Outside of the Oscars, have been in the public eye, scrutiny, going to jail, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So don't take away from what he's accomplished. Ban him. And I'm pretty sure he was like, okay, I just won't come. That's the way, like, Kevin Hart had to step away and because he was, you know, from his comments, what if he hasn't been back since? Okay, don't take away from what I'm trying to do here. I won the Oscar fair and square. Just I just won't come back. Well, let's do it that way. So I think that'll be better instead of taking away something he worked extremely hard for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and now getting into uh, just kind of like the final four previews, and especially with Duke UNC, um, just obviously like, like an historic rivalry and one of the biggest that we've had in, in college basketball um, for history. But with Duke coming off of just a 78-69 victory against Arkansas on the Elite Eight, then UNC ending um, St. Peter's Cinderella run 69-49 to on mm-hmm. Sunday um, Duke on one side just, you know, has a ton of playmakers and, and Paolo Avanchero is averaging 17.1 points and 7.7 rebounds. And UNC's junior forward um, Armando Bicot is a force on the glass and just has a strength, strength to neutralize opposing players with his size. But what are kind of your thoughts on how these two teams match up? They're very familiar with each other. Um, and, and obviously, like, they, they recently played um, at the end of the season for Coach K's last game and UNC was able to win that. Like, how do you see that, that this matchup kind of playing out and, you know, the biggest one you can possibly get in the Final Four. You know, um, coming from, well, pertaining to North Carolina and Duke, I think these this is going to be a good matchup. We know <laughs> they have the fiery yeah. history behind them. We know the fans are waiting for it. They're pulling their teeth out. They're pulling their hair out. They probably took off for the next three weeks uh, <laughs> to try to get for this game. prepared, bro. <laughs> like, basketball, this is extremely but. What I, I what I love about North Carolina is, and this is their strength and their weakness, they have four guys capable of getting big numbers and big points. And, mm-hmm. you know, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, uh, Brady Minnick, and then uh, Baycott all have shown throughout the year they can drop 20, 26. Uh, easily. Easily. But the only thing about that, after that, there's no next line of defense. There's nobody mm-hmm. else on the big coming off the bench that can that they help them in the front court or the back court it's consistently. And that's the biggest thing. That's the the biggest strength is their biggest weakness. And we've seen them struggle um, a, a, against Baylor. We, we've seen them struggle against a couple teams. So that was my only, like, okay, we have guys who can have the big game, but then if they're they're ice cold, well, it's in, who's going to step up for them? Yeah, you have four guys, but I've seen three guys. Got to have depth. Yeah, gotta have. The, I see three guys cold, and and they had to figure it out. It, it's 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 difficult, especially for young guys. It's easy for older guys like an NBA to shoot themselves out of a slump or find a way to get out of slump. Before for a college a college kid is 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 extremely difficult mentally to get out of there. But then you you look at Duke, man. And that's the thing, like like that's such a young team. Like they were able to beat experienced teams like Michigan State, Texas Tech. Like to me, that's been the biggest surprise because like. This team, to me, it, it it always had the potential, but just with how young they were, you rarely see teams like this get this far into the tournament being so young. Oh, for sure. And, and you can rely on your young guys for only a short short period of time. You want those, you, you need that leadership who's been around one or two years, but that's kind of difficult in this day and age. It's always one and done and getting out of there. And that's it. <laughs> but Duke, man, Cinderella story, man. Coming, <laughs> coming, yo, they... They have one of the most talented rotations in 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 this tournament, and I love it. Shooting over oh, yeah. 70 seventy percent from the field, and you you look at you know Bonchero and Mark Williams, bro. They have been crazy balanced on the front court, and then their three point efficiencies with AJ Griffin, bro. Like it, it's always Duke Duke and North Carolina always have the the guards, bro. They, it's it's a smithering of big guys, but they always have. The one, two, three. Literally, bars. other yeah. teams envy the guards that they get every year. Every single year, and they are yeah. utilized every. I've never seen one of the guards like not be utilized to their to their uh, full potential and ability. Coach K definitely gets mm-hmm. every ounce out of you. Roy Williams oh, yeah. used to do it as well <laughs> when he was, you know, with North Carolina. But you know, it's it's a it's going to be a great matchup. I think when you look at who's going to be on top, I have to give it. Do North Carolina? No, I take that back. I gotta give that to <laughs> Duke. Now, joking. I was yeah, trying yeah, to be suspense, but I gotta give it to Duke. <laughs> gotta give it to Duke. Yeah, same, same here. 
Um, and, and now getting into just thoughts on, on how Villanova matches up with, matches up with Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, with these two teams, Villanova is aiming for their third national championship in the past six tournaments, and Kansas has you know the winningest program in college basketball history. Um, but in terms of just both teams being on a nine-game winning streak, you know, mm-hmm. Villanova had a low-scoring defensive win against Houston and Kansas, you know, thoroughly outplayed uh, Miami. Like, what are kind of your expectations for this matchup and just, like, how these two teams have constantly been able to just have deep runs in the tournament and have just so much success in their past? Yo, it's going to be a nail-biter as well. North Carolina Duke is going to be sure. a nail-biter, and I think Villanova and, uh, you know, Jay Jayhawks is going to be a nail-biter just because they're, they're starting five going to have to play every minute. Because we we all we always always said and always seen Villanova always had the the depth issue. They don't have that six man rotation. And then Justin Moore just he went out and and, and what I think is Achilles injury in the uh, the Elite Eight. So he's yeah. one of their big time guys, and they won't they won't be without him. And just looking at Villa, it, it's a, a nine game winning streak, cool, but it's always that depth issue with Villanova. That's the always the, been the, the the trigger for them. But I think they're still going to be good on the front court. But you look at the Jays, man. You look, you look at the, the the Jayhawks. I think they can beat Villanova. I got Kansas in this one. Yeah, I I, I got the Jayhawks, and I'm I'm I want Villanova. I think Villanova has been a while. Since, I think Villanova should win just off the strip. They're always think, there when it matters most. They're always there when yeah, it matters most. But I think I think I, I think this Kansas team. They, 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 they have like so much in terms of like how they can, they can like start off in, in terms of like having a, a slow, uh, a slow like offensive start, but they kind of methodically can, can, can beat you with their size and just like how they can wear teams out with their physicality. And I feel like that's going to kind of maybe wear out Villanova. Yeah. And they are an extremely confident team. In, in, yeah. in Kansas. And you don't see that often. But I mean, we all know Kansas is, is in that that list of teams that always are periodically pretty good, but I've never seen a, a Kansas team this confident. I think that that goes into why they're not on a non-game winning streak. But they do have a couple weaknesses, but I, I think their best player, oh, well, I'm probably going to butcher this, Ocha, Oche, uh, Bajaji. Well, it's, I don't even know how to <laughs> <laughs> He was the Big 12 player of the year, man. Like he was like he's a incredible on the field. Uh, he's an on ball defender. He's crazy at the rim. I just can't pronounce his <laughs> pronounce his name. <laughs> Oche Agbaji. Hey, that's close to what I said. Oche Agbaji. That's why I'm just gonna drive. I said Hey, look. Well, let's. I said Doche Cabana. Oh man, he's never listening to this podcast. He's never- <laughs> <laughs> I can't pronounce my name right. Man, forget Bulls go. <laughs> so, so you got Duke, Kansas. Yes, Duke, Kansas. Yeah. Duke, Kansas. That would be an amazing matchup. I like that would be an it. Amazing matchup. Coach K. I don't, I don't yes. think those players are gonna let Coach K go without without going to the championship. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and now getting into just with the NBA thoughts on the Celtics' major loss of Robert Williams for the rest of the season. Um, this report just came out earlier this past Monday that he suffered a meniscus tear in his left knee. And, you know, he, he's been an anchor of the league's best defense. Um, and, and it just came out that he's going to be missing several weeks at minimum, but has been averaging 10, 10 points, 9.6 rebounds and 2.2 blocks. But what are kind of your thoughts on Boston, you know, losing a key part of their team? You know, they're, they're top three in the East. And he was really like a, a key part to what their defense was been a, being able to do. You know, this is a second injury. And I'm I'm kind of... On the fence about if it's going, yeah, if it's going to be, he's going to be back in four to five weeks, and they have what four or five games left. I don't think he's not yeah. going to play in those. They say he's been in the meetings and stuff like that. It's good that he's around the team, but my concern, is, he, I don't think he's going to be physically ready to go in the playoffs. And he's a big part of the yeah. You That's got a big Al, loss. yeah, you got the 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 big man rotation with Al Horford and and uh, I think his name is Daniel Thies. Um, yeah, they're nice. Yeah, they're they're pretty good, but Robert Williams is Robert Williams. That's is, a different story. He's a different, a different story. story. He he brings. He's yeah. a huge. I didn't know he was that big of a guy. He's 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 a. I think he's a, a nighter, especially when he dunks. And he's a great uh a ball a ball defender in the paint. I think he's a guy. He's not going to give you crazy points, but I think he he brings that energy. I think he's he's like a Marcus Smart. He's an energizer yes. and. 
You know, Al, I'm, I was always big on Al Horford, but... It I, can be underappreciated at times. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. And you, we're going to see that uh, in the next four or five games, how they look without him. And I think Al Horford, you know, obviously can appease and, 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 be, and be the guy, but I think he's in a tail end of his career, let's be honest. Um, he's in the tail end of his career, but I think we're, without Robert Williams, it's going to be, you're going to see the difference. I think, can they win? I think they can win three out of five. But my biggest concern is, is he going to be physically ready to go into the playoffs? And we always know the Celtics can't get over that hump in the East, and they're going to need Robin Williams to do so. Do you think, like, if, if he doesn't come back for the playoffs and it's a it's a, it's a game seven type of scenario, do you think that that is, it, it's he, him being out is so big that he may be the reason that, that like, they may not win a playoff series because of just the defensive prowess that he brings? It's the depth. He, he can yeah. shoot. He can shoot. He can space the floor. He's he's good. In, he's good on as a ball defender and in the paint shot blocker. That's you need that depth. We keep talking about these younger teams or Villanova. All these teams will have depth. Celtics. I will give them that. Celtics have depth, and I think with Robert Williams, he he brings that different element because they can go sit Al Horford down and bring Robert in and be able to, or vice versa. But I don't think it will be the decision factor, the decision making, well, decision deciding factor that they'll win a series mm-hmm. with or without him. I think he brings that depth that to give them a better chance to oh, yeah. do so. I don't think he's he's not that he's not like the LeBron or big, Paul yeah. George. Yeah, you know what I mean. But he's yeah. a he's a valuable piece. He's like Caruso. Caruso is a valuable piece that gives you a better chance of, with that depth of coming off the bench and doing what he does because he can space the floor, he can shoot, he can he is a, a good ball defender and a good shot blocker. You want those, you want the continuation of that. But I don't think he's the deciding factor whether they win a series or not, though. Right. Yeah. Um. And, and now getting into to Paul George's return for the Clippers. Um. In his first game back this past Tuesday night against Utah, he had thirty four points, six assists, and four steals in a. 121 to 115 win after a 25 point comeback. And, you know, his 34 points were the most ever by a player who had missed his teams on previous 40 plus games within one season. Mm -hmm. But like looking at this Clippers team, you know, them still staying in the playoff race without Paul George and Kawhi, then he comes back, they're able to have a big time win. Like, what are your thoughts on him just coming back in such strong fashion and just how the Clippers are still able to find ways to win close games with with, with Tyron Lue just just having a great coaching season? You know, you can't you can you can say a lot of things about Paul George, but you cannot knack his ability to just to be a great basketball player. And oh, yeah. you can say something about his injuries. You can say about it's is he a good team player, whatever the case may be. But he, he's he that defense of his. What he came back against Utah. Yeah, he had a he struggled a little bit. I think his first three shots he missed, and then he got into the groove. But he had eight you know eight deflections, which led to four steals. Um, he had, you know, two turnovers himself. Like, it's just like him getting, being more acclimated than people thought he was going to be because we've, he has a long list, long history of being injury and playing injury with his knees, whatever the case may be, but we never seen him come back this fast, like this hard. It's quick. Yeah, Yeah. He looked like he was playing back in December against Utah. And Utah is one of those playoff contender teams. And I think, we, we we see the, a glimpse of what they could be if they could just could piece everything together and have Kawhi back. I don't even know if Kawhi's still alive, Wellington. <laughs> He's probably in Costa Rica. He's probably in the Ukraine right is now. Is Kawhi Wellington. good? Is Kawhi good? I don't. I haven't heard anything about it. He's, Kawhi's one of those people that is one of those is one of like 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 the, those famous players that just falls off the map literally. Like you know how some players say, "Man, I'm, I'm gonna take a break away from just social media. I'm gonna yes. like you know." Go into dark mode. He he actually lives it. He lives that. He life. lives it every day. He probably lives on a <laughs> island that he has to fly to every day. Like bro, like where is Kawhi? When is he? Nobody's been talking about when is Kawhi. I think it's like it's like a, a broken record at this point. When is he? Gonna that's that's kind of yeah. I mean, like that's kind of the thing. If you look at the East and West in terms of one eight matchups in the playoffs, currently in the East you have Miami, Brooklyn, and in the West you have. Phoenix Clippers. If if Kawhi came back for that series, like like how much? Obviously, Phoenix is, is the best team in the league so far. But like, how much of, of like with what the Clippers are doing and Paul George, him coming back would, would possibly make this team like a, a very significant threat. Both the one thing that stands out about both of them are great on ball defenders. 
Great on yeah. ball defenders. We see that when Paul George comes back <laughs> from an injury. Sometimes, you know, a season in injury and him having eight deflection that leads to four steals and being able to do some things, you know, in the backcourt. And then you look at Kawhi, the claw, the claw. He's called the claw for a reason. I think that that defensive side brings a different element. Both of them are crazy great scorers as well. So you you piece those two guys together and they have an excellent bench. And that bench has been winning without their yes. top two it's guys. Really, talk so, about depth. Talk about depth. It just look at what on paper because we always have to say on paper because we, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we always say, oh, man, they're going to be good. Look at what on paper they can look amazing and be top five in the West if Kawhi and Paul George were constrained, like healthy consistently. They could be top five in the West, but that's on paper. And they have the bench we, to prove we, it. We say on paper. Yeah. We say on paper because of the 2019 Celtics with oh, Kyrie Gordon Hayward. <laughs> we, we were so crazy about that team, man. They're going 67 and 15. <laughs> They're I'm surprised you remember that, Wellington. <laughs> bro, that was bro, it. Was one of the worst takes I ever had. It was one of the worst takes I ever had. <laughs> oh my gosh, bro! Like I'm thinking, like they're gonna go, like. Hayward's yeah, coming off literally. the injury. He's he has oh, yeah. the same. Jalen Brown hasn't came to his full potential. Tatum is still <sighs> Tatum. It's like you know, like that, uh, on paper, like just like mm-hmm. the 76ers. On paper, they're good. On like when, when they had you know when Brown Tobias areas over there, they moved a couple of people people around and had Markel. Especially Fultz. when they had Jimmy Butler. Yeah, when they had Jimmy Butler. Butler. That was when they got their closest. And then Markel Fultz was still going through his, his saga with his arm. Like, it's just on paper, it looked good. So many you things. have to say on paper. Definitely. Um, and after listening to our first album review with Denzel Curry's um, Melt My Eyes, See Your Future, um, in his new fourth album, you know, he addresses a, just a lot of challenges and a culmination of every diversion. Um, and and it, this really was um, an inward look orchestrated by some of the, you know, the, just the richest sounding productions on any record he's released to date. But what were kind of some of your thoughts on this album and just kind of like the direction of it? Ooh, Denzel Curry, ladies and gentlemen. I thought this was a solid, solid, yes. solid project. And we have to say, <clears throat> excuse me, it's 14 songs, Wilson. Love it. 14. I love it. Concise. Concise. <laughs> we love it here. We love it here. <laughs> we love concise albums that engage as yep. just a right number. And I think that draws out confidence. And I can do this in 14 songs. I don't have to draw it out and give you something that I'm not completely in love with. So, I, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it is, I mean, Dizzo Curry, I've always like been a, a fan of his writing ability and his, and his ability to, to create songs that are not just catchy. But they're they give you a story and they give you b- 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 substance. B- 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 bars. Yeah, and yes, definitely yes. substance. And I love the way he does it. And I love the way he <laughs> it, it, it seems like he always gels with uh, T Pain. The one thing I was kind of like Shaq was fire. Um Shaq was kind of fire. Yeah, oh, it was yeah, it was it was it was, it, <laughs> was I had to listen to it like three or four like, times. Oh my goodness. I was like, okay, okay, okay. But the one He's I was like thing. Black. I was like, is he gonna jail with black? Is he gonna jail? I don't know who Rico Nasty is, whoever the guy is. But on ain't on ain't no way. Ain't no way. Yeah, I was like, cause you, cause black has his own like his sound, and I think black can jail with like if black can jail with um pink sweat, you know what I mean? Or if he can you know jail with you know all these other artists like um you know Janae Aiko and all these people like possibly he can he can jail with Denzel. And he definitely did. I thought it was. I thought it was a nice track. But yeah, overall Very solid. I think what I was expecting, I I got. Um, and just to it's do rare it nowadays to get what you're expecting in an album. Like he really, and that's a tough thing to do. Like he delivered on expectations. Yeah, for sure. And the only thing I was like, kind of like, uh, not really rocking with was the cover art for for yeah, the, the album. What's, can we get like I really want an album where it's just an amazing cover art that we talk about more sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> like, we, it's been so long since we've gotten a good cover. <laughs> I was like, okay, like Mel Mars, like I thought it was gonna be more, you know, more um, I guess graphic designy, but it's just like he gave a picture of himself, side angle of his Sacho Bob here, and um, and just it was just a, a normal photo, like give like illustrate it, like. The first thing I'm gonna see is your album. Like, you know, I'm not taking anything. The album's still, you know, solid. And oh, yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah. just like 
to be able to bring it all together from the cover art, from the music, from every like, it's hard to bring. I just all don't that think in. artists are thinking about cover art as much, and that's Not, kinda, that's and that's crazy. That's, that's interesting to me. It's, I, it's there, there's there's a full flow of thought when I when I first see the cover of your album. Not saying that it's gonna make or break it, but it's gonna give me insight to what it might to, to what it might be. Like. I'm going to remember it more. Because mm-hmm. who had a a, a crazy uh, cover art? And I was like, even okay, I'll give you the even um, Tyler Creator cover art was was dope. Even that well, Igor, that was fire. I, yeah. yeah, his cover art was really good. It was it was different, but I remember it. I remember that stupid look in my head forever. But he's a he he is he is like the epitome of a creative. He thinks about yeah. every little detail when he presents an album, and I, and I I really like that about him. That's the that's the dope part of it because you can't get that image out of your head. <laughs> like it's it's not mm-hmm. you can't get it out of your head, but it's a good thing. And then the album came behind it and hit you in your mouth. So that's the beauty about bringing everything, every element of music together. Because before I even listen to it, I got to see your cover art. I got to see what it looks like. Like back in the day when it had vinyls. Vinyls, the vinyl cover was everything. Yeah. CD covers was everything. Like 50 Cent, I still remember 50 Cent's cover from his, um, uh, his, like, his first real, real album. Him with the I don't know what that was metal something around it like he in his bulletproof vest like I still remember Bro. that on my on my Xbox you know what I mean we both pay attention to the history of music yes. we both pay attention we want the rich we, we want all of it we want the, the full nuance I remember <laughs> that man bring back the laying on the floor yes, with your please. arm side or like Michael Jackson used to do uh Teddy mm-hmm. Pendergrass oh, oh, yeah. uh Lionel Richie everybody's laying on oh, their yeah. side like you know what I mean? <laughs> but bring back the nostalgic of like having your your cover art, your album art, as dope Definitely. as your music. Mm-hmm. Um, and now getting in, in, into, into Nico's I Know Nico review, um, in this album, you know, it, it contains just various eras and blends together, different artists, voices, such as Pop Smoke, Tyler the Creator, uh, Pusha T and ASAP Rocky, and, and these artists, you know, they were able to elevate the tracks with just an impactful combination of flows. But what were your thoughts on how Nico, Nico was able to weave a, a path designed to keep a sense of authenticity and, you know, have everyone be at their best? I did not know who this was. Well, it's him. Here I go. Here I go. I bring another album that you did. <laughs> <laughs> He's a fashion designer, right? Or um Yeah. Also does fashion. Yeah. And then it was kind of crazy. He was like, oh, he does music too. Like I didn't even know who this was. Um, first and foremost, let's 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 look at this this track list, bro. Like ASAP Rocky. Ooh. Push a T in clips. No, I'm gonna say that again. Push a T in clips. How do you get his brother? That's crazy. <laughs> this was wild. <laughs> this track list, like, man. The features he got on this, man. How? Who orchestrated that? He's a. He's not a secular rapper, Willis. Like, who orchestrated that? Like- <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Yo, that is crazy. Now, look at number four. Pharrell Williams. Pharrell mm-hmm. don't do music like that no more. He doesn't even do it. Any- he's not even interested in doing it anymore. You got him out. <laughs> And you got him on two songs. Oh man! Then you <laughs> you got Kid Cudi. Then you get Pusha T again, and then like Pop Smoke. That's what got me. I was like, bro, this man's track list. He got Lil Uzi on here. Tyler created the finish off. Creator, like, which killed that. Come on, let's go. Is amen, 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 amen. Five out of five. I gotta give it to him. Yes, five out of five. I gotta give Absolutely. it to him. Absolutely. Yes. I, I didn't know who he was, but he bodied this project, bro. And you know what? Goodness. The cover art wasn't that bad either. I it love the cover art. That too. That too. It, I remember it. gave it. us everything. Look, bro. <laughs> ducks. <laughs> a dog on a checkerboard. <laughs> I know. Nigga. Like, bro, that makes you remember it. Like, bro. Hey, who album was they had like, you know, ducks and like a dog on that thing? Was it like, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? Oh, his name was Nigo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Japanese fashion guy, bro. That thing was fire, bro. <laughs> That's how conversations go, ladies and gentlemen. If you That's how they go. That's how they go. <laughs> We're giving yo. you an inside look about conversations. Go, and that's and that's the, like when you're able to like you mentioned all the features that he has. Every to, to me, like every one of them work. Like how how tough is that to do? Like to to coalesce sounds and different different artists and know which track to put them on. That's really doing your homework and really being a student of music. He studies. 
not, not, let alone being a, a fashion uh, fashion icon, you have to study music. You really have to study yeah. artists, listen to artists, really rock with their with their catalog to be like, okay, I know. And then most of the time, these artists make songs for the for said other artists to pander to their style. And then they yeah. alter themselves Absolutely. a little bit to fit it on there. I'm pretty sure he did that. Had to do that with Pharrell. Pharrell was like, nah, I don't like that beat. Let's, let's make one from scratch to do this. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you have to be a, a like a fan and a, a a nerd for music to learn how to put people on the right tracks, knowing what it's track. okay to be a nerd for music. It's okay yes. to be a nerd for music. I love okay. I'm definitely a nerd for music. I definitely <laughs> yeah. I, man. Both of us. <laughs> I tell you what, bro, it is it's it's hard work trying to make a album flow not cheesy like mm. or make let it flow. In in a not in a way that's not like taking away from the next song, like everything has to enhance each other. I think this album and it was once again eleven songs. Like to be able to do this in the short short span and get your point across, which um, I don't know what his point was. The point of this album, to, I'll I'll say that I don't know what his point was, but I know I yeah. I like this. This was nice. Five out of. I don't think five out of five. Last five out of five I gave was it was an RB artist. It was either I think no, it was her. It was hers. It was hers. Yeah, album. It was her. The last yeah. five out of five stars I ever gave. Back in my mind. Yeah, my it mind. was her. And that was five out of five. I had no complaints. The cover art was nice. She's beautiful. I love looking at her. All a the dope time. cover art. Any cover art she puts out, I'm not gonna be mad. Hey, listen, you hit me. I'm not gonna be mad at <laughs> you. Hit me. I ain't mad at all at you, baby. At all. You never hear any criticism. Criticism of your cover. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, yeah, this five out of five, bro. This was five. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and, and now getting in, in, into to Lotto seven seven uh, seven seventy seven in the in the Atlanta based rapper second album. You know, she shows just a lot of braggadocia and dials up the introspection with the triumphant mood. Um, and even in one of the Sanar tracks, Sunshine with um, Lil Wayne and Childish Gambino, there were just a lot of sharp and assured uh, verses. But in terms of her like using elements of previously established rap- rappers and also just having strong pop instincts, uh, kind of like what were some of your takeaways on, on an early project from her? I got bored. Mm. Um, it's it's hard for me to... And I oh, hope this is not... I, I know you know what you're about to say. I know what you're about to say. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of yeah. hard for me to, like, continue. Like, it's it's a few women artists, like, rappers that, like, I used to, I'll give you an example. I used to love Nicki Minaj. Like, absolutely love her music. Pink, like, the Pink what, album. What was the change? What, what, what changed for you? Her voice. Yeah. Her voice. After a while, I got tired of hearing her voice. Same thing with <laughs> Little Kim. Same thing with, um... Mm, who else I used to listen to really heavy? Who's a female artist? It's like the voice. Like it's some male, like, don't get me wrong, it's some male artist I don't listen to because I'm like, bro, I don't want to hear you. Like, like Gunna. I I don't, I don't want to listen to Gunna. Yeah, it's I repetitive. Don't. Yeah, like it's just like over and over. Like, I know your 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 voice. And I'm listening to 19 tracks of this. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like, <laughs> but you look at guys who know how to switch it up. Look at how Kendrick Lamar knows how to switch his voice up, and you know what I mean? I mean, I didn't, I didn't, this is the, it's okay, Kendrick. Yeah, okay, Kendrick. yeah. You, you, you can't release you can release an album at some point. Please, you need a ride. Somebody, you need a ride to the it's studio. Okay. <laughs> it's okay, man. We're just waiting. But like, even Kodak Black, I can't listen to Kodak Black that often because it's the same yeah. pitch. I've never been time. able to connect. Yeah, it's the same thing over and over. Like, Lotto can rap. Don't get me wrong, she can rap. She can rap, bro. She oh, can rap. Cut off, man. She's crazy. But it's just and, and, that, and yeah. that's the thing. I I feel as though like the, the talent is there, but in terms of of, of an album, it just it, it, it there was there are certain songs that I like like of it, but I, I could tell that I respect her talent more than I, I respect like the full artistry of her album. I feel like that was kind of the takeaway I had from it. That is the best explanation ever, Willison. You took the words right out of my mouth. Like I respect <laughs> your writing ability and I respect you know what I'm saying? But it's just like it's different when you have to put it all together consistently throughout. A whole album, yeah. Singles, cool, like that's cool. But when oh, yeah. an album, like switch it up, like switch your voice up, like it's a lot of male artists can't switch their voice up and do something differently. It's it's a rare quality. Like even the baby, I don't listen to the baby because it's the same voice. It's the same thing. I'm gonna, like, it's the same voice. Like ugh. I can listen to J Cole because J Cole switches his voices up. Kendrick switches his voice up. Drake can switch his voice up. 
Um, who else? There's a bunch of other rappers who switch their voice up. Like Earth Gang. Earth Gang can switch. I, that's why I love their Earth album so because they can switch Our it up. Album. Wasn't that yeah. a five out of five? For, was that a five out of five for you? Oh <laughs> yes, indeed. Like I'm still yes. listening to it. I know that's a five out of five. I'm still listening to this oh, game. Yeah. I need a Billy, <laughs> Billy, a Billy. Like yo, yeah, brother, yeah, yeah. But it's it's just like I mean, no, don't take anything from uh, very talented, very talented yes. rapper though. Very yes. talented. Don't want to take that yes. away. She's on the come up. Um, and, and now getting into our last album review with Maverick Sabers. Don't forget to look up. Um, in this new album from the London Irish singer and his fourth, he shows off just a remarkable voice and displayed a sophisticated level of musical versatility that repeatedly comes up. But in terms of him just, you know, having an invigorating blend of R&B and reggae fusion, um, what were some of your main takeaways and thoughts on this album? Once again, Wellington, I did not know who this guy was. Um... Shows you how much music I listen to. <laughs> right. Different genres of music. Um, I like two songs. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, I like Get By and I like Good Man. It was just, oh, it was, it was, um, I think because I'm- Too not, mellow? Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe I wasn't in a, in a different, I only listened to him once. I will give you that. I listened to him once. But I think I wasn't in the mood to listen ah, to that type of music. So I'm about to relist. You, you got to be in the mood for this. Yeah. And I'm not like a fan of his where I could force myself to be in the mood to listen to his music or listen to that type of genre. So maybe I have to listen to it again. I'm I don't did you did you like this one? Obviously you liked it if we put it on the, <laughs> the topic. I mean, I, yeah, because I I, I kind of feel as though like he he's able to, to capitalize on on a certain mood that people are in at times. Like if you're ah, in that, yeah. in that, in that, and now. When I was listening to it, I was in that mood, so I was like, it, it, it hit for me. But I feel as though ah, yeah, definitely, yeah. like, the, the the perspective and kind of, like, the recommendation I would have is for him to kind of make music that that's just, it's an everyday type of mood as well. Because I feel as though if, if he can do that, he'll be able to draw in more listeners and people that can, like, really flow with, with his music and, and what he's trying to put out. I totally agree. I, you know, it's a, just to piggyback before we move on, piggyback what you just said, like, and I'm pretty sure you was like that mood. You have to be in those. I've been like, I feel like I'm just rambling, but I've been listening to music where I thought that was really, really good because I was in that mood and I go back and oh, listen yeah. to it. I was like, how did I like this? How did I like this? No, like seriously. I would <laughs> yes. add it to my I know library. What you mean. I know what you mean. And I'm like, then you're in a, then you're in a different mood. And you're like, wait, <laughs> like, wait. I don't even rock I, with this. <laughs> who, who, like, who added this? Somebody got my. Passwords to my Apple Music. My account. <laughs> Somebody did this. It could be me. Like I'll listen to like old yeah. music. I'm like, I must win it a different time to like this. It's, it's even like Frank Ocean for like certain certain songs from Frank Ocean. If I'm oh, yeah. now his music is, is always great. But even earlier this week, I was listening to Blonde and I was in a certain mood. And I was like, I know why this album is hitting more. And and he can capitalize on that. Like his music is always excellent. But sometimes certain artists can capitalize on certain moods they're in. And I think that's what they they why they do it because that's their their mood they're in or whatever. But oh, then yeah. they like, know what they're doing. I don't think I want to be sad today, so <laughs> I'm gonna listen to this. But it's like when it when it hits, it hits. So I think that's that's the beauty of it. But like you just got to be in the mood for it. Absolutely. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with our review of Raging Bull. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into our Raging Bull review. And to start the overview, Raging Bull is a 1980 biographical sports drama film directed by Martin Scorsese, produced by Robert Chartoff and Ern Winkler, and adopted by Paul Schrader and Marty Martin from Jake LaMotto's 1970 memoir, Raging Bull, My Story. The film stars Robert De Niro as Jake LaMotto, an Italian-American middleweight boxer who's self-destructive and an obsessive rage, destroys his relationship with his wife and family. Also featured in the film are Joe Pesci as Joey LaMotto's a uh, well-intentioned uh, brother and manager who tries to help Jake battle his inner demons, Kathy Morata as his wife, um, Nicholas Calasanza, Theresa um, Saldana, and Frank Benson all play supporting roles in the film. It had a budget of $18 million and brought in $23.4 million in the box office and also has a 94% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, um, nominated for eight Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best uh, Director. But what were your initial thoughts on this film and how it was just a searing, powerful work about an unsympathetic hero? How do you get away with shooting a whole film in black and white? Let's talk about that first. Yeah, black and white. And in the 80s. Like that, that's a, I forgot what shooting style that is, but to be able to pull that off 
in a time where everything was going techno, color, like like different a different era. Eighties is a different era as itself, and you oh, get yeah. away with a black and white film that gives you eight nominations, like or non-nominate non-nominations. That's crazy. So like I I don't think I watched this film until I got older. Um, probably like this is one yeah. you kind of have to wait to watch. Yeah, because like. Out of all the Mars Scorsese films, like you, like the cab, the cab driver, I, I watched when I got uh, older. But like Casino, all those, I watched at a young age because my dad liked them, right? So I didn't watch Raging Bull and all the other films until I got older. But you appreciate them more because you already know what to expect from Mars Scorsese, and then he completely changed. Like you can see the the gradual change he has in all his movies. Raging Bulls is definitely one that he he shot a bit different, and. I really, I really enjoyed, it, especially Black and White. And then, like we were talking about off off air, just like the chemistry between Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro, one of the best duos ever. Yeah, they don't, they don't miss. They don't miss, man. At all hits. All. <laughs> At all, bro. And like, yeah, just like how tough, how tough is that though? Because like they've been in movie after movie, like just classic film after classic film, like ads, like even even they were even in the Irishman together. Like in yep. terms of just them, like over years being able to keep that like do you feel as though, that, though, though that's something that's just kind of like ingrained or built over time even before we see it um, on screen I think it's just that genre I, it, obviously they have a friendship outside of but you you have a great writer and director in, in Martin Scorsese he writes those to their abilities and I, I, I want to believe that so bad that he write these characters to the abilities of Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro because every character they ever had with Martin Scorsese is I, either they just bring it out more or it's just like oh, yeah. the ideal fit for them. And I think that it, it played, Mark Scorsese plays a role into how good of chemistry they have. And obviously they're just, you know, they're pretty good actors as well, but just like everything just aligning with the with the script, with the director. Because most of their stuff is is improv, improv and improvised anyways. Improv, yeah. yeah. So like mm-hmm. you talking to me was not in the script. Oh no! It was not in the script. That was literally Robert De Niro. Those are the best lines. Exactly. (laughs) So if you have a director who's willing to let you go outside the lines and be able to be you, like you're gonna get that chemistry. You know what I mean? Like even Joe Pesci and Lethal Weapon was still pretty good. So it's not want to say it was just a genre, but I just think it's the writing ability of Mario Scorsese and the writers to bring him. You know what I mean? It's just everything aligned. But I'm pretty sure they have a friendship outside of it. Um, and now getting into our first topic from one of four stars, what would you give it? Um, I would definitely give this film four as it, it's able to address violent undertones and overtones while, you know, just still illuminating and commenting upon violence in, in just a poetic and profound way that only Scorsese can do. Um, but to you, like from one of four stars, what would be your particular rating for this? Ooh, I'll, I'll have to give it, ooh, I'll have to give it three stars. And that's okay. the crazy thing about, I didn't even think about, um, cause <laughs> think about what I was going to rate it, but I think I'll give it three stars I thought it was. Right. I thought it was a good film. I don't. I don't think it's one of his, like his best best film. But I. Th- I thought it was a good film. I thought it had a good storyline and a good underlining tone. Um, for the the character that Robert De Niro was playing, and I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was shot pretty. Well. I thought it was shot basic, so it wasn't like this extraordinary uh shot film. But I thought like it hit well. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give it three stars. And and that's another thing because like he has so many films that you're gonna remember more. Like Goodfellas is gonna be mm-hmm. it's just one you're gonna like remember more. Taxi Driver, mm-hmm. Casino. Like, do you feel as though at some time at some point in a director's just catalog and in when they have like an expansive list that some films will just will just like not get as much appreciation because they've had so many other great ones? Oh, for sure. And it's rare for uh directors to have this crazy um, uh, you know, f- you know. Film, film history or just like amazing catalog and it's only a, a short list of directors who's up there and the only two that comes to mind is Martin Scorsese and Tarantino. you know Quentin Tarantino I'm pretty sure there's others that you can think of but those two have an, an incredible catalog where they don't miss and they're strategic of what they want to shoot and I think that's the blessing the blessing in it all they can choose what they want to shoot or what to push and you know what I mean? Like, it's it's rare for that. So, well, obviously, this was a good film, but stacked up against his other films, it, does, it doesn't compare. Yeah, it doesn't compare at all. Like, And, and, it's, and, and it's not anything against the film. No. It's just like, it's just a testament to how great of a director Scorsese is and how those those other films just are 
incredible and just always saying the test of time. Right, and you can see the improvement of his shooting ability, of how he wants the scenes to look. So, like, like you look, like, this came out before uh, Casino. This came out yeah, before all exactly. those films. And Goodfellas. Casino yeah. was shot so so great. Like, even the 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 uh, desert scenes where he spins off and, like, the shot or, like, the low angles of... Like, it was just shot so much better. Like, this was... <laughs> Razor Bull was so shot basic, like, the behind the head shot basic. Like, like you just learning <laughs> how to do film, which is not bad at all. And I think that's why not I bad. gave it three stars. Like, that's what I learned, you know, in college. Like, how to shoot a film like that. Like, that was basically how you shot it. But... Mm-hmm. You know, you get better. Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of hard for to the bat against or go against Casino and Goodfellas. Like, right. It's That's come tough. on. Man. So tough. Yeah. Um, and now getting into favorite character, like the the portrayal of of Jake LaMotta by De Niro was really fascinating mm-hmm. to me because in this character, you just see the visceral intensity and the, the raw honesty that is kind of rarely captured seen captured on film. And De Niro was able to get in, he's obviously had better performances, but this was one where he really had to get into a different element and, and level of of intensity and focus. But to you, kind of like, who was your overall favorite character? My favorite character. I know it's tough because there's only like a few main ones. Give few, me, few, there's only like a few headline ones. Give me Joey. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just like, because he's the brother. It's just like, I don't know. Like, he was funny, especially to see like, did you F my wife? Like, Oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you just breathe. I'm like, Ezra, you? Hi, oh, Ezra, you? You go crazy. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's just his mannerisms, just like how Joe Pesci just brings it through, like his voice and stuff like that. It's just really funny. <laughs> Italians, right? Uh, Always on set. Yeah, on man. Tip. But I like the character because he was the guy who was trying to help his, you know, his brother's keeper. Just trying to, you know, help him throughout life and stuff like that. And I, and I thought that was really dope because, you know, was, I'm very big on family oriented, you know, so having definitely oh I didn't know Frank Vincent was in this. Why is he in every Bart Scorsese? <laughs> well, it's I didn't know Frank Vincent was in this. Yeah, bro, I don't bro. remember Frank Vincent in here. He's such a, a epitome of Martin Scorsese film. Like, every- like I have to talk about every time I see a Scorsese film, I expect Frank Vincent to just pop up yeah. like in a random scene. Even if I'm just like, even if it's the first time I've seen it, like, I just I just expect him to randomly pop up because he's been in every one, literally. Literally every film. Like, old as crap. They have like some, did they have some like exclusive contract by the same time? But you know what I love about Mark Scorsese? He always brings his family into the movies. His his mom was in a movie. I forgot what movie yeah. she was in. She was cooking the food or whatever and talking to Joey Pesci. And um, I forgot what oh, character. Oh, was it like two in the morning or something? Yeah. Oh, that was Goodfellas. Yeah, it was Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that that's was his Goodfellas. mom was yeah, in they, Goodfellas. They had the body in the car. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Charles Scorsese, I think that's uh, I think that's his dad. His dad was in this film. It was as Charlie. So it's just like, I love how he fits his family. That's very admirable. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, he's, he's true Italian. His, his mom, like, oh, yeah. he was like, I family just told... over everything. I think he said, he, he just told mom, I said, mom, just, just do you. And then that's why she didn't have any lines. What she did was just like how she used to do with the with the family or whatever, how she was talking to and Joe And it Pesci. worked. It worked perfectly. It worked. <laughs> So well. She's natural. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, yo, bro, it's just, it's, it's just really funny to bring your mom like, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and now getting into most memorable scenes, I had um, Joey fight Salvi and his friends. Also, Vicky tells Jack he's leaving. Yep. Um, uh, uh, J- Jake meets Vicky. LaMotta brutally defeats a Janeiro. Jake mm-hmm. attacks Joey. And then finally, LaMotta losing his title to Sugar Ray Robinson. Um, and, and also the final one, I could have been, been a contender, which was, you know, one of the most famous endings as, you know, this book into the story with the framing narrative of, of an aging, overweight uh, Jake LaMotta. But to you, kind of like, what were some of your uh, memorable scenes in this one? Yeah, him, most memorable him losing to Sugar Ray uh, Robinson. And then, Robinson, and then yeah, just him, sure. like, being, I could have been this, I could have been that. Like, how many times... Looking that, back yes, at it. Looking back at it. Yeah. A reflection, Restarts. like, if I would have did the right thing or, do you know, had made the right choices, possibly I could have been a contender. And another memorable scene, him just staying on the ropes and getting pummeled. Like boom, boom, boom! Head going back, just, just bloody. It. Like man, that's crazy. But that's that's a part of the, the part of the lifestyle. Trying to be, you know, a boxer or any other sports guy. You're gonna go through highs and lows and demons, and then you look back like, man, I wish I would have done it differently. Or, oh man, I could have did this. I could have did that. No, you couldn't. Because because what? And you- then Joey was trying to have him like lose fights on purpose. Like that was. 
a crazy, a crazy twist to it. I mean, like there, there were so many like behind the scenes things of like what was going on in that era that in terms of like, hey, if you lose this fight, you'll, you'll get another title fight because this guy isn't as good. And it's just like, there's so much strategy going on behind boxing and we were able to even see that more. Right. And it's crazy that, it's crazy even more that I picked Joey as my uh, interesting <laughs> character. <laughs> but like, it's just like, it's a strategy. And he was his brother's keep. He did look out his best, you know, out for his best years. I, I would think so. But that was the, that's how things were back then. Like, okay, you throw this fight so they can think you a bomb. Get a and, bigger fight. Yeah, exactly. That's how you do it. And you just, Pumble him. But yeah, it's a lot of people used to throw fights all the time. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting into into uh, most memorable quotes, um, I had, you didn't get me down, Ray, from, from Jake. Also, Jake is never going to be champ. Too many people hate him from Vicky. Um, if you win, you win. If you lose, you still win from Joey. And then finally, go get him champ from Jake. Uh, to you, kind of like what was maybe like one or two like memorable quotes in this one that you kind of felt as though were like j- just the clear standouts? Go get him champ. Um, yeah. from Joe was a good one. Um, what we were talking about early, him talking about, did you have sex with my wife? That was a, <laughs> a good exchange of Washcom. Um, ah, I think those, the, the go get up champ was like, he was like, I'm the boss. 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 <laughs> <laughs> How many times you got to say it? Ain't that many affirmations in the world, Joey? Go get him. I'm a J, yeah. <laughs> And then that's the thing, because, like, you, you see with Jake that he's, like, he's struggling w- with who he is as a person, yeah. like, the identity crisis. I feel like that's and, and that's even another thing in the storyline that I really, like, was into. Like, the identity crisis that he was facing was just so clearly portrayed. Like, to you, like, like what what stood out to you in terms of just, just that and also kind of, like, your favorite uh, element of the storyline? It was similar to Taxi Driver to me a little bit. Yeah. Like, how he was it going really through, was. yeah. It really was. A lot of parallel. Mm-hmm. Like, he was going through those mental cycles, and I think... Yeah, I I think that's that's the realistic thing of it. You have to be a little crazy to get to step in a ring or octagon mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. You have to have a little screws loose to to want to fight somebody or get your face pummeled in for you know what I mean. It has to be something screws loose, and you have to face those demons. You can elude them as much as you can, but at the at, at the tail end of it, you're gonna have to face them and just figure out who you are outside of boxing because. At the just like how you were, how you was reflected, like I could have been a contender, like you reflected the wrong way, my boy. You just should have been glad that yeah. you made it out of that, out of, out of that. But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. It, it really is because that cycle you, you just constantly see uh, play play throughout this movie. And and now getting into to our last topic, ten years from now, like do you still think this will be watchable and intriguing? Um, it, I definitely think it will because this has a different watch. You know, in terms of like an intriguing nature of it, it has a different element to it as as we've even said with past Scorsese films. Because this one is more so like a cautionary tale and what you shouldn't do if you have fame. And the other ones are are more based on just like the entertainment quality and and how it's shot. But to you, like in terms of, of this movie kind of being one that you kind of have to like wait a few years to like really like dive into and, and enjoy more. What do you kind of feel about how it's aged and how it will continue to age for even? A new viewers. I don't think <clears throat> I don't think the new viewers or like the next generation would find this movie. Because yeah, you, you, you gotta dig deep. You gotta dig deep. It's 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 in the arsenal, you know, it's it's back, 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 back in the vault. Yeah. So I don't I think if they do watch it, it's gonna take them some time to get into it or wanna get into it. They have to have a love for film to want to watch Raging Bulls. Um I don't. They're gonna. They're gonna go to Taxi Driver. They're gonna go to Goodfellas. Yeah, should, we, we keep saying it. They're gonna go to those movies more. Like, yeah, because they're just more entertaining movies. Oh, it, for sure. It, yeah. It's just a natural state. And 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 it's not a, a knack against. It. It's just it doesn't yeah. stack up. It doesn't stack up. And I, you don't have to dig for Casino because Casino still comes on. You don't have to oh, dig yeah. for Goodfellas. Goodfellas still come Always on. Come Raging on. Bull don't come on TV. You have to find. I had to find this. <laughs> I had to find <laughs> Raging Bull. I had to buy. I had to read it. <laughs> I read it off of uh, oh, uh, iTunes. <laughs> Watched it on my laptop. Same here. Same here. Bro. Same here. <laughs> so you can't find this. That is for a reason. If the if a movie's and, oh, yeah, you also have to be a movie lover as well. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. you really have to like to like study the the nature of movies and be like, yo, I I'm I I do appreciate his his a listers, but I also want to see like what was deep in his vault. Yeah, and I want to. Yeah, I want to see his catalog. Like, how did he start out, and then how do? What's the progression? And you see the progression through his, through his catalog. But yeah, you gotta find this. You don't have to find his other films. Sure. Oh, for sure, you can't. Yeah. Listeners, you gotta find it. You gotta find this. You one. gotta find this. <laughs> if you haven't, if you, if you haven't seen it, <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> exactly. 
Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winter Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.